Hey, um, great to be with you guys this morning. If you don't know me, um, my name is Kyle. I'm one of the pastors on staff. And most of the time, I'm hanging out with our middle schoolers and high schoolers over in uh, our student ministry world. But I always cherish the opportunities that I get to be um, with you guys. And so I want to say good morning to everybody that's in the sanctuary this morning. And hello to all the folks that are watching us online. Great to have you along with us. And of course, hello to everybody out in the great room and everybody watching in the hangar this morning. We're glad that you could be um, with us all together um, as one church family. So um, I've been thinking a lot this week about um, what happened last week. You know, we've put all this energy um, and all these prayers and all this effort into um, Easter right? Um, it's this, this, this ramp up, the Lent season, and, and all of these things that we think about to sort of get ourselves prepared to once again celebrate and drink in and, um, and really just um, be reminded in a fresh way about what Christ has done for us on the cross um, and how he was resurrected and how we get to enjoy that, and that's a gift for us. And so we, we, we put all this effort into that, right? Maybe, maybe you... Um, prepared yourself for that, and maybe you invited someone to come. And I was thinking, you know, how can, we, how can we follow up on that the best way? How can we not lose that zeal, that, that freshness um, in, our, in our lives? Because sometimes it, it just goes away really fast, right? And so this morning, we're going to kind of talk about that a little bit. And we're going to talk about this idea of the kingdom of God. Okay, and um, we've we've defined that in many, many ways over the years here at the church. And one way we describe the kingdom of God is this, as this spiritual realm over which God reigns, right? God reigns over this spiritual realm as king, something that exists, like it's all around us right now, the kingdom of God. But scripture also talks about the kingdom of God as something that's coming. Right? It's, it's yet to come. Jesus says this in Mark 1.15. He says, the kingdom of God has come near. Kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. And if you've ever read one of Rod's emails, raise your hand if you've ever read one of Rod's emails. You should all be raising your hand. We're going we're gonna to show him this video later, okay? And he's going to send you six or seven if you've never raised your hand. Okay, no. Um, if you've ever read one of Rod's emails, um, you know that we've described the kingdom of God as this party, right? That you are a part of. See you at the party is always a tagline that Rod has developed for us over the years. This idea of the kingdom of God being this party that we're invited to, right? And if you think about that, that's got some pretty profound implications. If it's a, something that we're all invited to, there's some implications about that. First, it means that the kingdom of God, this party that we're invited to, it's not an exclusive club, right? It's not an exclusive club where only those with the right upbringing or the right religious pedigree or the right past or the right ethnicity or the right national heritage are offered admittance into this party, right? Another implication is that not only are we invited to attend, we're invited to invite, right? We're allowed to come, and we're allowed to invite others into that kingdom of God and that party. And that's where we're going to go today. That's what we're going to talk about um, all this morning. Jesus has set us free through his sacrifice on this cross, through his resurrection, 
through his love for us. He set us free to tell anyone that we're willing to tell about the party. There's no limit and there's no restrictions. Life is also filled, though, with distractions, right? Um, Sometimes those are good things. Sometimes they're urgent things, but not necessarily the things that keep us on track and centered on what is most important in life. They can easily become the excuses that prevent us from responding ourselves to God's invitation or extending that invitation to enter into the kingdom of God um, to others that we know. Now, I know for some of you, as soon as we start talking about the idea of you inviting someone into your church, into your life, into your relationship with Christ, into your faith system, whatever that is, your tension level starts to rise a little bit, right? Because it's sometimes a hard thing to do, right? It's a little bit scary. You start to get a little bit sick to your stomach maybe, right? And, and I get that because sometimes we think this. We think, you know, I'm scared to share because I don't want to blow the relationship with this person, or I don't want to offend someone, or that they will say no to the invitation, and I'll just be crushed, and I won't know what to do with the relationship after that. And I get all that, right? I really do. I understand that completely. But no matter what you might fear surrounding extending an invitation to the kingdom party, here's the reality that you and I really have to get cozy with because this is the plan, all right? Here's the plan. We are members of the invitation committee, okay? All right, I want you to say that with me. Ready? We're going to say it together. We are members of the invitation committee. Now, don't you feel empowered already? Aren't you ready to go? Thank you. Thank you for the woo over here. That's what we need. Okay. Um, Now, you might be like, wait a minute. (laughs) I'm not wooing. I'm worried. Right? And you're like, I don't know if I can bear that burden. I don't know if I can handle the pressure. Isn't it really God who extends the invitation? Look, will people know Christ without you and I extending invitation? Absolutely, yes. Right? Is all the heavy lifting on us? Well, not all of it. But think of it this way. God has given you the privilege, the privilege of being the person who starts someone else on the path to being part of the kingdom and invited to the party. To be the one who sits down with someone else and extends that invitation. The invitation, whatever that looks like, is an amazing thing to get to do. It's a unique privilege of being part of the kingdom of God. And this is how the kingdom of God is expanding, right? How the party gets bigger and bigger and bigger. There's an author, his name is Walter Rauschenbusch, and he says it this way. He says, Jesus' followers, because they were in situations where they were being persecuted and their lives were really hard, they used to pray and wish for some sort of big kind of cataclysmic event or something really, really difficult that was so big and so obvious that everyone would stop and look inward and sort of think about what was happening and go, wait a minute, there must be something else in life because this isn't working and this is such a scary situation that I need to turn and find 
the Lord of the universe to be able to connect to and be, be, be um, focused on. And they used to really hope for this because they thought that that was the best way that people would come to know who Jesus was. But Rauschenbusch, Rauschenbusch argues that Jesus came not only to usher in this kingdom of God, this party, but he came to show us that it's coming about one person at a time. The kingdom is coming about one person at a time. Listen to what he says. Rauschenbusch says this. He says, Jesus was seeking to displace the crude and misleading catastrophic conceptions by a saner theory about the coming of the kingdom. This conception of growth demanded not only a finer insight, but a higher faith. It takes more faith to see God in the little beginnings than in the completed results. More faith to say that God is now working than to say that he will work some, that he will someday work. So the kingdom of God is coming about one person at a time. So our role is to have faith and to be as bold as God designed us to be, to welcome, to invite right, to include people in the kingdom and the party because that's his plan, one person at a time. Now, I use the word bold on purpose, okay, because being bold looks different for different people on how they express their faith and how they're willing to give the invitation. I want to tell you two stories this morning. One is from a situation that happened in my life, and the other is um, a scripture story that I think is really going to teach us how to be bold. All right, so the first one is this. Um, a number of years ago, um, we took some students to an event called Dare to Share, okay? And it's exactly what it sounds like. It's this idea of going to this place where you understand and learn how do you share your faith. So it's called Dare to Share. And there's this all-day conference, and they walked us through all these different ways to do things, trying to fire us up to want to go out and share with our friends. Um, and then this moment came, all right? Do you know what every teenager in North America has in their back pocket of their hand? Yes, thank you, a cell phone, right? You do too, I do too, right? But they all had their phones with them, okay? And we've gone through this whole day and we're at the end of the day. And the host is up there and he gets up there and he goes, all right, everybody, I want you to take out your phone. All right, everybody takes out their phone. They go, okay, I want you to scroll through your contacts. I want you to find one person in your contacts that you know doesn't know Jesus, and I want you to call them right now and walk them through accepting Christ. Right there, on your phone, thousands of students in this room. It took place out at the Hilton Chapel out in Prince William County that maybe some of you have been to for concerts or whatever. And the reaction was fascinating, okay, some of the students were like, doot, 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 doot. hey, Jimmy, I'd like to tell you about Jesus. And I'm going, wow. So I'm listening into that. Other kids were like, uh, can I get a drink of water? Can I go to the bathroom? You know, they were like, no way. No way am I going to do it that way. They were just frozen. They couldn't be that bold. And then when that was done, I thought, well, okay, that was kind of hardcore. Um, kids are freaking out. You know, it's, it's over. It's good. And they go, we have one more thing that we want you to do today before you go home. And they had everybody stand, and they organized us in groups, and they hand us a map. And they said, this is your neighborhood. 
We want you to go to this neighborhood and go door to door and tell people about Jesus. <laughs> Knock on doors and invite people to the kingdom to know who Jesus is and to do the party. Now, how many of you think that you would be willing or capable of doing either one of those things right at this moment? All right, take your cell phones out. No. <laughs> See? All right, get up. No. Um, we're going to just walk out of here. Service is over. Maps are in the back. No. See, the, the boldness is hard, right? You know, I know people who are good at that, all right? I know people who are good at that. This guy that runs this program tells an amazing story about he goes to this auto show every year, right? And he'll go to the auto show, and he'll see a really fast car, and he'll see someone standing there, um, talking about the car, and he'll go, they'll start talking about the car, and he'll go, what do you think of this car? And he'll go, oh, yeah, I really like it. And then he'll go, what do you think of it? He goes, oh, it's, it's really good. He goes, but boy, I'm really glad if I ever drove in this car that I know Jesus. And he's like, why? And he goes, well, you know, if I crash the car and went to heaven, I want to make sure that I go there tonight. You know, he's like, I want to make sure that I go to heaven tonight. And so he starts these conversations based on wherever he is about like a car crash and dying in a car crash and making sure I know heaven. I was like, wow, you are bold. I mean, you know, he's got all this ways of doing it, and it works different for every person, right? What I want to do this morning is I want to give you an idea of how it can work for you, how it can work for all of us. Not all of us are going to make that phone call. Not all of us are going to knock on that door. But each one of us is called to be part of the invitation committee, and Jesus teaches us um, a way to do it through scripture. And I want to go through that with you this morning, all right? So we're going to look at some scripture, Luke chapter 5, verses 17 to 26. Um, you've probably read this story, heard this story. We're going to read it and then walk through it together and then pull out of it um, the way that Jesus teaches each of us, all right? We can do this. You can do it. I can do it. All of us can do it based on what he has to say. So here's what he says, okay? Um, it says, one day Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately, he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. All right, there's a ton of stuff 
in this that I want us to walk through and talk about because it teaches us no matter how scared you may be, no matter how ready you may be, no matter where you're at in terms of being part of the welcome committee of helping people enter into the kingdom of God and being part of the party that we can all take from this and move forward, okay? So here's the first thing that whenever I read this story, this is one of my favorite stories. We talk about it a lot um, in student ministry and other places, but the first thing that always makes me amazed about this story is that I always feel like this is what the church should be um, and can be like, right? Like this is really awesome. Um, People were so personally excited by Jesus and so convinced that he's got the answers and so amazed at what he can do to change and improve lives that it's standing room only, Right When Jesus began to teach and go to these places, his reputation began to build and people went, I've never heard that before. I want to hear what he has to say. And so wherever he would go, the crowds would get bigger and bigger and bigger. We're told that all these people came in from Galilee to hear what Jesus had to say. It was standing room only. And people are climbing over each other to get near him and to hear what he has to say. And so these guys approach this, and this is an impossible situation for these friends. They say, let's help our friend. And when they got there, their plan that they had was just not going to work out. They couldn't get him through the crowd, but they didn't quit. They came up with a new plan on the spot. They looked around, they scrambled, and they found a brand new solution. Another thing that I want you to notice about this story is extraordinary effort (laughs) may be required. Some of you have friends that you want to know Jesus. You want them desperately to know who Jesus is. And you have walked alongside them. You have entered into their pain. You have been their true and amazing friend. You have invited. And you're like, I've gone to extraordinary efforts. And those are all amazing and good things. But Jesus says, go to even deeper extraordinary efforts. Extraordinary effort may be required. Remember, the friends of this guy, they put in extra effort to get him to Jesus. When they found out that Jesus was around, they put this guy on some kind of a mat. It's probably a blanket. Okay? And they, they carried him on this blanket. Maybe they each had a corner and they were carrying him along. At times they wouldn't be able to carry him down low, so they had to carry him up above their heads. Right? So they had him and they were carrying him all this way, um, probably for miles and miles and miles to see Jesus. And when they get there, the crowd is so big that they can't get through the crowd. So they had to figure out another way to get Jesus in through the crowd. Have you ever been to a parade? I know we haven't been to many parades in a couple of years. (laughs) But think back when things were more normal. Um, You ever been to like the Fairfax City Parade or downtown for one of the big parades and it's so packed and you're kind of trying to fight your way through, especially if you have little ones and they want to see the front. It was kind of that situation where it's so tight, right? And they get there and they, they can't get him in front of Jesus. So they look around and what do they see? They see a ladder, that's leaning up against the side of the building and Jesus is inside. So they put the ladder up against the side of the house and somehow this guy who's on this blanket, somehow they get him up on the roof. Maybe they, maybe they tie a rope around his waist and they're like pushing him up and holding him up or, or maybe, maybe someone gets, they put this guy on their back and they walk up the ladder. We really don't know, but somehow 
they get them on top of this house. And back then, all of the roofs were flat. Okay, you had these flat roofs. And they were made of different things like dirt and mud and tar and ashes and sand and even clay tiles all kind of put together to form a roof that didn't leak. So they get up there and that's what they're facing. It's very, very likely that the way that they broke the hole into the roof to be able to lower their friends down was simply by taking their fists and punching through the roof. <laughs> They're up on the roof. It's clay. It's tile. It's mud. It's pretty thick. And they get up there, and they just begin, boom, boom. Imagine you're in this room, <laughs> and you start to hear boom, and then stuff starts falling down. Boom, boom. And they bust this hole big enough to lower their friend down. More than likely, as they finished making that hole, their hands were bloody. And then what we're told they do is they somehow again tie him to this mat or tie the corners of this mat and somehow lower him down right in front of Jesus. Now imagine this scene, okay? Everybody look up for a second. Imagine this scene, and all of a sudden you see a person come through the roof of this building lowered right down in front of you. And at this moment, all this effort that they've gone to, right, all of these miles of walking, all this carrying, all this desire to get their friend in front of Jesus, all the pounding through the roof, bloody knuckles, bloody hands, they lower them down, they lower him down, and they hold their breath. They hold their breath. It's that moment. They've just lowered their friend in front of Jesus what was he going to do? What was he going to say? And what he does and what he says shows us and teaches us Jesus and only Jesus is worthy of putting our faith in. Jesus looks up, as I'm sure everybody in the place was doing, and sees this guy riding down. And he looks at the guy and he looks back up through the hole, and he sees the friends, and he realizes what's happening. He assesses the situation, and because of the faith of the friends, he says this. He says to the guy, young man, your sins are forgiven. In other words, welcome to the kingdom. See you at the party. Welcome to the party. Your friends have done an amazing thing here, and you are invited you are welcome. Your sins are forgiven. These guys thought Jesus was worth the effort. They knew Jesus was the only person who could help their friend. And Jesus is worthy of our faith, worthy of deepening our faith in him so that we could learn and we could be diligent about inviting people to the party, walking them into the kingdom. And there's a, there's a line in here that's really amazing where it says this. It says, Jesus has the power and the authority. Jesus has the power and the authority to fix lives now. You know, think about, think about your own life and think about the things that maybe, maybe you fall into as you live it that are separate and different than the power of Jesus in your life. The things that we grab onto, the things that we fall into, the things that we try to make our lives better now. 
There's all these things that we try, and maybe those friends of yours that you're trying to um, help have a relationship with Christ are also falling into those things, right? But we're told that Jesus is the only one that has the power and the authority, the only power that really exists to fix someone's life now belongs to Christ. Forgive sins and welcome them into the kingdom of God. Jesus is also worthy of our faith and worthy of a deeper faith because he shows us the way, right? He doesn't just say, hey, go do this. He shows us the way. Um, A number of years ago, when this building opened, okay, um, back in 2003, okay, um, when this building opened, um, the way it worked was crazy. So Fairfax County gave us permission on a Friday night to open this building on Sunday, two days later, okay? We finally got final permission. Now, it doesn't seem like that's that crazy of a thing, but here's the thing. The way it worked at the time, and probably still does, was the building was done. These seats were here. Everything was, was like as kind of as you see it, except that because we didn't have the occupation permit until Friday night at like 5 o'clock, nothing was in the building, like no furniture, um, none of the stuff that we need to do ministry, nothing was in the building, right? So we organized this last minute, come in, put everything together, and get ready for Sunday party, okay? Starting at 5 o'clock on Friday. Rod conveniently was out of town, <clears throat> okay? <clears throat> I wonder, <clears throat> interesting, okay. <clears throat> so um, he didn't put anything together. Okay, so... Um, So here we are starting Friday night at 5 o'clock, right? And we're scrambling. We're putting all this stuff together. And um, we had some stuff in the youth room. It was one of the biggest areas to put all this stuff together. We couldn't even bring in our stage and all that stuff. It had to be brought in late. So we have all these people that are bringing stuff in. We're putting all this stuff together. It was crazy. And in the student room, we have some fun stuff. So we had a ping pong table, okay? And um, the ping pong table was really nice. But let's just say... Time got short, and there were a few corners that got cut as we're putting things together. Are you with me? All right, so a few corners got cut, and we, Sunday comes, and some kids are playing ping pong, and they're, they're going back and forth, they're going back and forth, and one kid sort of bumps into the table, and that thing shattered into a thousand pieces right there on the ground. It just broke apart, and I was like, oh, okay. And it was crazy. Um, it, was, it was just not put together the right way. And it just shattered and, and was just gone. It was just a mess. Here's the thing. When Jesus healed this guy, he found himself for the very first time put together in a way that he had literally never been put together before. I tell you that because I want you to understand it's worth your effort, not only for you to know Christ as much as you possibly can and to grow in him, but to have that kind of love and compassion for your friends to help them put their lives together in a way that's never been put together before because they haven't encountered the living Christ. That's what it's all about. This guy got up and lived a different life. He, we're told not only was his physical body restored, but his spiritual life was restored. He went away, we're told, praising God in his heart. 
So Jesus didn't just fix his physical body, but he fixed his soul. He went away praising God in his heart. The thing that stopped him for so long, all those things that stopped him from being whole were gone because Jesus had entered his life. If we're really honest in here today, there are things that get in the way of us really giving over all of our lives to Christ, right? And I've been thinking about this um, a lot. And I was here a number of weeks ago, and I think I told you guys about this, but um, I, had, I have had over the last year one of the most amazing um, prayer times that I've ever had, a season, I guess is better, that I've ever had in my life for an entire year, okay? And it's been really amazing just the way that I've been able to dial in and connect with God um, and um, really hear from him. And, and for me, what developed there was it, it became a safe place. No matter what was going on, it became this safe place that no matter what was happening, no matter how the day had been, no matter all the external things that were coming at me, it was this safe place. And I was just like, like melting into it. I had it at night um, before I went to bed. And it was an incredible thing. And I cherished it. And it was amazing. But I've also got um, kind of a big situation that's going on in my life that um, has pushed against that so hard that it's, it's diminished that for me now. I was so faithful and so, so into it and so glad to have that peace and understanding. But these external things push against that. And I just want to be honest with you is, is that I've lost a little bit of that. I found it very difficult over the last month or so to enter into that same spot. And I miss it. I truly miss it. And I'm fighting hard to get back to that. So I want you to know that if you feel disconnected at times from God, if you feel like there are these things that are pushing against you that prevent you from extending the invitation from entering into the lives of others, from helping them become of the party. I sympathize. <laughs> it happens to all of us. And I hope that you will pray for me as I pray for you to return to that spot of, for me, this safety, and maybe for you it's the same way or something else. Um, I just want to talk about that a little bit because I don't want to make it seem like it's super easy. It's not. You know, God says that extraordinary effort is required. One last thing that I hope you and notice about um, what happened in this story was this. Um, Jesus is calling us to invite. <laughs> you know, for better or worse, our faith affects others. Um, if we have enough, we'll be able to do it, right? If we're in a great spot with God, that helps us be able to reach out, right? Now, before we finish, I want to show you this video that I think um, can be really inspiring to you um, in, in how this kind of works in real life. You might see yourself in the characters in this video. I want you to watch it. It's just one more way to kind of get at this idea, and then I'm going to wrap up real fast after that. So check this out. This is Nate. 
Nate became a Christ follower two weeks ago and is still a bit giddy about it. Now he's trying not to do cartwheels in public. Nate became a believer partly because of... Kim. Yet oddly enough, Kim and Nate have never met. How is this possible? Well, let's take a look. Kim loved Jesus from an early age, and in college she had a huge impact on her friends. While most of her peers used their college years to, well, experiment, Kim didn't. She remained committed to her faith, and it showed. It especially showed to Lisa, her roommate, who confessed to Kim that she wanted whatever it was that made Kim so strong. Kim shared her faith with Lisa, and Lisa believed. Years later, at Lisa's first real job, she met Thomas. Thomas was hit by a drunk driver when he was 13 and still carried a lot of anger and bitterness. Thomas and Lisa became friends, and it wasn't long before he started going to church with Lisa and her husband. After a lot of studying and searching, Thomas gave his life to Christ. Fast forward a few years. Thomas became a public speaker and was often asked to speak at large events. See, when he became a believer, Thomas developed a new perspective on life. He stopped resenting what had been taken from him and started being thankful for the second chance he had been given. On one particular day, Thomas shared about overcoming hardship and what it means to choose joy. He was so passionate that a number of people were inspired to share a link to his video. The video of Thomas inspired James, too. And if anyone needed inspiration, it was him. James had a ton of issues. He spent most of his life as a passive husband, an absent father, and a horrible friend. That said, no one disliked him more than he disliked himself. But everything changed the night he happened to watch Thomas online. Something clicked and he knew what he had to do. He surrendered his miserable life to someone greater, and he was forever changed. James fought hard to make up for the lost years with his family. And he also began working with young men who were in danger of throwing their lives away. One of those men was Nate. Nate didn't really know his own dad, and he had no real direction in life, ultimately bouncing from one bad decision to another. Because of that, he often found himself in trouble with the law. No one had ever showed him what it looked like to be a real man. That is, until he met James. James became the first father figure Nate ever had. He learned about honesty, self-control, humility, and integrity, and where those traits come from. Two months later, Nate publicly declared his belief in Christ. And of course, James was there. Now you can see the connection. Nate was impacted by James, who was influenced by Thomas. Thomas on Uncommon Joy and Lisa, who learned of Jesus from Kim. Kim's relationship with God eventually led to Nate's. Funny how these two people have never met and never will. So if the kingdom of God is being built a person at a time, an invitation at a time, you can see how, how your efforts, whether you know or not, may rub off on someone. I was thinking about my own journey, and I put a little, like a little crude graph together. I'm not exactly the best on graphics. They're not uh, amazing. But check this out. This is sort of the idea of the way it worked in my life. So um, I had this pastor named Gary Carpenter, who was the first pastor that I really understood Christ. He made me help me understand Christ. He was a real person and an amazing guy. And it was his dad that impacted him, right? And then here in the middle, you see this name, Van, and youth group kidnapping. 
okay? Um, Van was this guy who ran this youth group back in the hometown where I grew up, and they had this night where they actually told their kids, they, 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 like, this would, today if this happened, the FBI would be there, okay? They had a van that they drove around to kids' house, and they said, get in the van, let's go to church. I'm like, whoa, SWAT team would be at your house, right? No way, times have changed, okay? But that's what happened to me, like, okay, so they came, they got me, they put me in this van and took me to this Baptist church, okay? And to be honest, it was the worst experience I've ever had in my life. It was this high-pressure thing to accept Jesus on the spot, and it was terrible, Okay, and I'm going to get back to that in a second. But then there was my wife, Loretta, who helped me understand who Christ was, and her father, Marvin, who had an impact on her. All three of these things, all three of these people and many others came together so that I would know Christ. And the youth kidnapping thing, although weird, is really important to me now because I don't want our youth group to be terrible. It drives me a lot to make sure that we are trying to be the best that we can be and to have loving, amazing leaders around our kids, um, to nurture them, help them walk through Christ without being kidnapped. Okay? Um, But all of those things came together, right? And you could go back here and you could poke your name in. You could put your name in there and you could put the people that influenced them, that influenced you, and you could just change that around and see your chart, right? And this is how it works. We're inviting people one person at a time into the kingdom of God. And the last couple things I just want to say that can help you begin to do that. One is just live differently. You know, live differently. Um, That's a lot of what this is about. It's about being true to what Christ calls us to that looks a little bit different um, than the rest of the world, living differently. Matthew 5.16 says this, In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds And praise not you, but your Father in heaven. Second one is the hard one. Invite your friends. You know, invite your friends out to stuff. You know, you can can find a way to do that in your own way. Maybe taking some inspiration from the story of the people that got um, this man before Jesus. And finally, one of the easiest ways, I think, um, that is the least scary, is just be willing to tell your story. You know, tell your story to folks about how Christ came into your life. There's nothing more real than that. There's nothing more genuine than that. There's nothing more impactful than that. Telling your story, letting others know how you got here and how much you'd love to see them be part of that journey. I just want to pray for you as we continue to worship together this morning. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, um, Lord, I want to pray specifically this morning that you would give us boldness. Lord, it's not the same kind of boldness for each person. It doesn't have to be. There's no prescription of how it has to be. But Lord, you inspire us through showing us that it's worth it. It's worth it to be the light of Christ in the world. Lord, help us to do that in our own way every single day. Help us to want to be at the party every weekend every day of our lives as we live with you and to invite others into that. God, we're grateful for who you are. We thank you for your sacrifice on the cross. And we thank you for the ability for us to meet together and to connect and to be the body of Christ as one. So Lord, we lift up all these things. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand as we continue to worship this morning?